it's a good show. What if God would suck these nuts? Just slobber <laughs> on these nuts. <laughs> You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just so read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Trying to suck his way home. <laughs> what if? What if? Coming to you from uh, Hilliardale, <laughs> Hildale, Hill, uh, Hilliard, Hilliard, <laughs> Hill, the 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 Hilliard. Of Ohio. Uh, we have been on tour way too long. <laughs> way too tired. Drinking coffee and it's not doing shit. Except for making me shit. This but, is why your episode is late. It just feels like you're going to be able to get stuff done and then you spend your day driving to the next place. Oh, and then you we say, oh, we're going to do it after the show. But after every single show, there's someone who uh, wants to give us a tarot reading or a threesome. And yeah, it's just fuck, tiring. It's so it's hard. So, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough schedule that we run. But uh, we've been everywhere. We, gotta, we, we, we started gotta, out in San Jose, then L.A., then New York. Then Delaware, then DC. Now we're in Ohio. We've been in Ohio for a couple of days, and tomorrow we'll be in Chicago. Then we have a day off, kind of. Uh, we just have to drive six hours. Uh, are you liking the road life, Jessa? I like the road because I lose the weight, the cereal weight. I lose all the cereal weight from back home. It's, it's so weird that you have cereal. Cereal's the thing that's weighing you down. <laughs> It's all I can eat still. It's the only thing but left. But you don't sugar even eat sugary sick. cereals. You eat straight up just like healthy cereals. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I eat like nine bowls. I eat. I eat them until I get nauseous. I eat too much when I'm home. Yo, me too. And then we get on the road, and I can't eat anything. I also lose weight on the road with you, just because I'm not eating gluten stuff, and uh, I, don't, I always feel sexy when I'm on the road. And then by the time like I'm done in Utah and I'm coming back on the road, I'm all, I've got like a nice little paunch yeah. going. We're always fat when we get out on the road and then we look great by the end. Fuck, we look fucking awesome by the end. Hell yeah. So we're halfway there. This um this run's been pretty good. The shows have been great. We changed our format. Trying Special out announcement. New. We are now doing our shows together on stage the whole time. This probably didn't warrant a special announcement, but <laughs> what she's saying is true. Even at home, it's like, turn up the dial. She's about to. <laughs> President Roosevelt is uh, breaking news. Uh, 
Yeah, we we it's kind of like a cross between this podcast and our other stand up, and so we're just trying it out. But it's like it's been fun. It's definitely uh, been a little bit more of adrenaline for these shows too. And then there's like so much more to dissect and talk about afterwards because we've never done this together, and we're trying to like you know Figure tweak it, it in uh in between like every single night and stuff. So and that's cool. Are you sad that we planned a tour during General Conference? Oh, hell no. I'm happy. I hate General Conference. It always gets me triggered. It's like good to be busy so that I'm not just checking the Twitter stake or whatever and and getting upset about stuff that I shouldn't be upset about. But uh, it's kind of a relatively quiet conference weekend, it seemed. there It was uh, front-loaded. Like There was the big announcement before conference and then uh nothing nothing every every conference there's rumors about what's going to happen the, like, the coffee thing didn't the happen. coffee thing didn't happen the uh the social media fast for men didn't happen do you remember they asked women to yeah. fast it's one of the rumors going around was like i bet this time they'll ask the men to do it and you'll you all you uh feeffeminists who cried patriarchy are going to be proven wrong and there's Definitely did not, not. Definitely did not ask the men for to do a social media fast uh, because you know, uh, I don't think anyone gives anything any thought to that whatsoever. Uh, but big things that happened before conference started was uh, the reversal of the 2015 gay policy. I don't think that's the, the official title. Uh, I don't think they call it the gay policy, but I, I, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. This was big for me because it was this November 5th, 2015 policy change that took me and Tabitha out of the church that finally were like, why the fuck are we still here? You know, for new listeners, I tried to stay Mormon for as long as I could. I, kept being confronted with things that weren't like that weren't true, you know, uh, things that I'd always thought were true were being proved and to not be so. And I was really struggling, but I was trying really hard to stay in this church. We wanted to raise our kid in the church. And then they came out with this policy that was like snuck into the manual. They weren't going to announce it. It was only, it only made headlines because someone inside church headquarters leaked it. And, uh, and then it, it, it made news, but it was that children of gay parents, even if just one parent, if they have at least one parent that's in a same sex couple that they could not be baptized at eight, like all other Mormon kids are, uh, they can only be baptized after they're 18 and after they like formally denounce their parents' lifestyle, Fuck. right? Which is just, it was just, and me and Tabitha were like, why are we trying so hard to stay in this church that does not give a shit about, like, they, the church, it's like, meet me, come 10%, like, we're coming yeah. 90%, all we're asking you is to just, like, not be outright bigoted, yeah. right, and they're just like, nah, dude, we're gonna fucking, mm. and there was backlash to it, and uh, people Double down. There was a quote from so back then it was a different prophet, same God, different prophet, uh, and that came up with this policy. 
but the prophet that is today, he spoke on the policy back in 2015. And like, you can read his quote about how, like we all got together and we all prayed about it and we all felt the spirit is one of the most spiritual days, blah, blah, blah. We're doing this to, to promote family unity. That was their stance was like, <sighs> was like, we don't want to break up families. And so we don't want to cause strife in families. We, you know, uh, we would hate to see a rift between a child and a parent because a child wants to join an incredibly homophobic institution like ourselves. This and was in 2015 they were saying that? Yeah, it's 2015. So it was just like four years ago. And, and then uh, they reversed it this week. Or la- well, last I mean, God, week, God changed his mind, obviously, because, you know. Yeah, I don't know that. how they explain it, man. I was trying, I talked to a BYU friend who came to our show in Columbus, and I was like, what's the what's the active Mormon reaction to it? And she's like, I don't really know. I only have progressive Mormon friends, you know? And they're all, we're like all pretty happy because we thought that the policy sucked, and uh, we're glad that it's changed now. But I'm like, how do you, I want to know, like, how do people rationalize uh the god changing his mind aspect like four years later like i'm uh in some ways i'm surprised in some ways i'm not it's just we've seen god reverse his mind on things before but like never this quickly i personally i hope like i i hope the I know that usually it's like probably God talks to the prophets on his schedule. I don't know if the prophets can like check in on God, but if someone could just see if he's still taking his medication or (laughs) if like him and heavenly mother are okay, like, are they breaking up? God seems to be having a moment right now. I'm not sure what it is. Do you think God's moment has anything to do with those numbers you showed me of how many people requested to have their names yeah, some like crazy a record high number of like uh of of records being removed in a single year. I don't remember what the numbers are. It was one hundred and forty thousand. I was going to guess one hundred forty five thousand. It was 000, very I, close to numbers from Revelations, or was it Revelations? Where's one hundred forty four thousand? Sure, I don't know Revelations. Yeah. See the 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 elect the chosen elect yeah are the just the, are just the Mormons who removed their records in 2018. Yep. <laughs> Guess what? Surprise! It's us. We're your rulers now. Hello. Damn it! I should have gotten in while I could, but I um, but I didn't. You know, fuck. Uh, I don't know what their fucking deal is. I I think it's performative. I think that it's uh, too little, too late. And it's just doesn't come accompanied with an apology. They don't ever say like, Hey, we got this wrong. We're sorry. Uh, they just change it. And they're like, yep, now we're still, we're always just about promoting family unity. And now we're doing it this way. I just don't understand the leap here where, uh, punishing children of gay parents promotes family unity and you're you want them to denounce their parents later that's breaking up families is because you don't consider gay parents families yeah i don't i think i mean i don't think they're being entirely genuine when they, when they say that i think i can kind of see what they're talking about like uh 
I, I've heard those lines before. There were certain policies we had placed as missionaries of certain people that weren't ever going to be allowed to be baptized because uh, they came from like uh, a culture or something where that would not go over well. So uh, we just weren't going to do that. Like there, uh, if there also was like a spouse and the other spouse didn't approve of it, the mission president was like way more uh, hesitant to approve of that baptism. Like there was a woman that I was teaching in Varese who liked the church and wanted to be baptized, but her husband didn't want her to be baptized and was like, stop taking these lessons. And we went with the branch president uh, and uh, like, uh, God, the branch president was, uh, I remember being like mad at him because uh, I was like really trying to get this baptism, you know? Yeah, and he just didn't, number. he just did not give a shit. He was American who lived in Italy his whole life. He worked uh, at this airport and uh, uh, he just spoke Italian with the thickest American accent. <laughs> and I hated it. Do an impre- Can you do an impression of it? Buongiorno. <laughs> Buongiorno, bon fratello. Uh, I like it when we get you know, a cheap the Italian de- restaurant. He would, he would, he would, I remember him saying in this lesson with, or like when we met this this woman's uh, husband, he was like, uh, "Il diavolo, <laughs> come come chiamiamo noi." Old scratch. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? I, first of all, have never heard anyone say old scratch. <laughs> what is that? He was like, he said that was a name for the devil that we, that we, he was like, he was like, he was like, we Americans call him old scratch. <laughs> and then he just kept saying that throughout the last, he'd be like, he just in, a, in, a, in Italian, just being like, eh, come sappiamo. Quello <laughs> old scratch <laughs> Provera uh, And you're like what Why is old scratch so important to this <laughs> Gary this, Busey <laughs> No he that's a great He looks like Gary Busey a little bit That's a great uh, Yeah imagine like like expat Gary Busey <laughs> Expat Mormon Gary Busey in, in Italy And you got this guy but at the time, I felt like mad at him that that he wasn't trying harder to save this woman's soul. And now I, I think that he probably had a much better perspective as someone who was a grown up, uh, unlike me. And he was right to be chill. And he was like, you know, if uh, if you're not into this, dude, we're not going to keep sending missionaries to your wife. We don't want to like upset your family. The most important thing to us. And our church is family. So if your family uh, is happy or whatever, we're not going to try to tear your family apart with our church because that would be counterintuitive to the nature of our church. I get that. It's also a little bit sexist because it's like I I, well, there's probably an example of a, a husband 
but probably maybe not i don't know it's, it's usually these examples are a husband not giving his permission to his wife to yeah. be whatever religion she wants to be and the mormon church is like listen we <laughs> uh, it would be counterintuitive to the nature of our church to up and patriarchal systems we are 100 <laughs> percent in support of you telling your wife what to worship uh so you know don't don't mind us we'll be on our way out so i can kind of see like where their uh argument is coming from but mm, as a church that's still like largely homophobic uh that we have uh apost current apostles dallin h oaks who've said things like we should try to uh uh, discourage uh, homosexual members of our society from uh, holding uh, public office. You know, Jesus. <laughs> you like you. You don't. Th I feel like you're not being completely. Yeah, honest. you're. You're clearly preoccupied with this, and then when it backfired, you are acting like it's about tearing families apart. Are there nine-year-olds trying to get baptized whose parents aren't mormon is right. that a thing i assumed it meant active gay members but i guess you probably don't have a lot of active gay there are so, like i mean married members there are probably you know six of these kids like i don't know how many of these kids are out there but i can think of a few scenarios right let's say parents are divorced Let's say two Mormons uh, get married, have a kid, and uh, get divorced, and one of them uh, finds a, a partner of the same sex, while the other one stays in the church. So just the straight, the hetero part, the hetero parent is uh, active in the church, yeah, and wants their kid to be baptized at eight. That kid can't be baptized at eight. Like that's weird to me, uh, and. But like also, let's say you've got like there's grandparents that take their kids to church because their parents aren't really into it, you know? Yeah. But they let the grandma take them to church or something. And then and the grand, it's really important to grandma that Timmy get baptized or something. But Timmy's going to have to denounce his dad and wait 10 years before he can do that or something. I It doesn't seem like a, a terrible practice on on pay, like the actual policy i don't think is the problem it's the it's the message it's the optics that it sent it's just another reinforcement th to kids in utah uh that like you are not the norm you are weird you are other you are unwanted you are uh, against God's commandments and stuff. There, in like I, I don't know how many months it was. Two months, a two month period after that uh, announcement in 2015, 23 confirmed LGBTQ suicides in Utah. Uh, yeah, and there's no apology. There's just no apology. They'll they never just say sorry, our bad. They don't. They just uh, well, because it it blows their cover. God, they were they were like we, we, we heard wrong. Okay, when God checks in every four years, uh, and uh, he last time we thought he said uh, it turns out he said he said bags. Okay, he said he said I I hate bags and 
He really, he's actually, turns out he's been concerned about global warming this whole time. Uh, turns Ooh, out the gay thing backwards. was a little preoccupation of our own. Uh, that we, uh, we, so we're, we're making, we're making amends now. So, uh, y'all, y'all can get baptized and, uh, we got to start using reusable bags at the grocery store. These are the new, <laughs> this is the new word from God. Like, just say, sorry, say you got it wrong. Like, how does this current prophet get up there and talk about, like, say anything. And, and when he's got these quotes from four years ago talking about what an inspired moment this was and what a big moment this was for families and how they all felt the spirit and stuff. And you just can't say sorry. I hate it's people gross. that can't say sorry. It's gross. Just say it. So it's just so considerate. It's so nice or whatever. Huh. That was, um. we also got onto that BYU. If you really want to get me mad, let's talk about honor code stories. If you guys follow us on social media, you know that I told you you should follow honor code stories on Instagram. And it is so cool. There is so simple and so smart for those that, uh, I think there's not that many episodes ago. We talked about the BYU honor code and the honor code office, but just to recap, there's a code that you signed. It says bros before hoes and they mean it. <laughs> you, you literally have to tattle on your bros bef uh, uh, about their hoes and, uh, and that that's how you get to go to that school. There's it's a code of conduct. It covers a lot of things. It's supposed to be about like honesty. Like this the honor code started when the school started and it was like we should be honest okay they're all just dorks and they're like yeah ah, let's not cheat on any exams and let's bring apples for our professors we're good kids and they were like in charge of their own honor code and they policed it themselves but it uh, is now like uh an, an orwellian means of student body sharia law that, uh, <laughs> and it's just awful right now i've heard Honor, bad honor code horror stories every now and then. You, you, we all have friends that have been affected by it. So all these stories get passed around. Honor code stories on Instagram is a collection of just hundreds of these stories. And when you put them all in one place, this is like what the CES letter was uh, for, for Mormons, I felt. Like anytime you bring up one anecdote, piece of anecdotal evidence, and say, well, the honor code office did this, or you know that Joseph Smith did this, right? Uh, a, a faithful mind, a willing mind that wants to believe in the best of the church, it's very easy to um, justify this one story. You right. say, we don't have all the facts. You don't know. Like, you have... you. Oh. Uh, this is who, one side of the story. Who's to say that the honor code wasn't like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you put hundreds uh, of stories There's together, so many. hundreds of stories together, it becomes much more difficult. And I think that it is getting a lot of attention right now. And it's a very, very good thing. I think there are a lot of eyes on the honor code stories, Instagram, and it's great. Like, why didn't we, I'm mad that yeah. I didn't do anything while I was in school. Like I was talking to Andres about it. Andres, you might remember from a Patreon episode. He was my friend at uh, Humor You. And Who was not Mormon. So he had to sign the honor code. We talked about how he had to sign the honor code and live by the honor code while not being 
more because it's stuff about your hair length and your facial hair right flip flops and uh we talked about it in the flip flop cop episode that's it um but also a ton of very uh awful shaming stuff yeah like and he i he he feels like he didn't have it as bad because he wasn't mormon it was his take on it you know but still like, i think we, that makes sense i think because it's a lot of the shame stuff triggers the like, shame that's implanted in you yeah so basically the worst thing that can happen to you if you get if you violate the honor code is they kick you out of school and that's that's not fun that costs that that wastes your money wastes your time um, sometimes they won't let your credits, your, sorry, your credits transfer. That's in- fucking insane to me. I can't believe that that's legal. Yeah. But they, it is somehow. I don't know. Like I paid you for those credits. I paid you and I earned those credits. And the fact that they won't transfer those credits is in like, part I can't of, believe that's legal. Part of your payment is like you have, you agreed like to come to here, you you agreed fuck. to live like this. So you broke your end of the agreement. So then we don't have to give you your credits is how I think they view it. Yeah. But there are lots of these stories like the people didn't fucking do anything. Right. But anyway, like if you get kicked out of school, uh, like Andres, if he got busted for drinking alcohol or something, I think uh, his immigrant parents would be very, very upset with him. So maybe this isn't a fair comparison, but uh, that's kind of the extent of it. The bigger, the bigger worry hanging over Mormon students' heads is the scarlet letter that you would go home with, that your parents would be told about the immoral acts you did. Like Andres' parents wouldn't care that much if he drank. They'd be mad that he threw is throwing his future away or something. Right. But like uh if you if you get kicked out because you had sex and you have to go if they they're going to call your parents and tell them you had sex and then you're going to go home and like everyone in your ward is going to shun you or whatever cuz they yeah. know that you're a slut like that's that's the bigger psychological impact that the honor code is wielding on mormon students that i don't think non-mormon students have to uh worry that much about right and yeah, there's there's a bunch of stories you can read. Some of them will really depress you. Yeah, it was a it was a bummer of a few days uh, reading. Some of them are very sad. But you have so you when you get people to read stuff like that, that uh, account after account of someone saying I got raped, I got sexually assaulted, and then on top of that, I was told that I was the problem and that and then I got kicked out of school and told that I had to repent and all this stuff. That's it starts to build a very strong case against the honor code, which fucking sucks. And I cannot believe I did not try harder to change it while I was there. I feel I feel ashamed that I did nothing. I feel like I was pretty privileged. I was married. So uh I didn't have to worry about like going too far with a girl also i was straight like you like you could you can make out with a girl at byu and be okay although there are stories there's plenty of stories on that instagram of like all i did was like make out in a car i got busted by a police officer for making out in a car and which fuck off police yeah. <laughs> officer go go uh jesus christ like why why are you so, like Checking foggy, I don't know, like uh, just kid, like you could, I don't know. Don't you have some innocent teenagers to shoot? Yeah. (laughs) 
go shoot a broomstick wielding teenager in the back. Uh, you <laughs> fascist. Didn't moral. they get so they're not cops anymore though, right? They they're still they're still cops. So there's like a process going on. But like recently, uh, the BYU police force got hit with like a discreditation suit. Uh, they're trying to get discredited. The BYU's appealing it though because they're but, doing some crazy Big Brother shit, right? Well, the 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 biggest case was, which I think like this huge this big case really led to uh, people talking about the honor code office more. It got them in a lot of trouble. Um, there was a girl who reported a rape to BYU police, which you, you'd think that's what you're supposed to do. Um, there, there was a guy on the BYU police force who uh, has connection to the man that was accused of raping the girl. And so this, this um, good Samaritan took it upon himself to notify the honor code office that this girl was having sex. So then <sighs> she gets kicked out of BYU after reporting her rapist to... A police department there's also there was all BYU also got in trouble for their title nine office and an, an on-campus office that's supposed to protect women was also reporting people to the honor code office you know so this honor code office sucks and we always just knew it sucked and me and Andres were talking about like we just didn't even know that we could speak out against it we didn't know we just were like wow this this fucking sucks like we hate the honor code office I think that they're all uh rat fucks and uh they're just bad people just uh just the worst the worst kind of people like not christian in any way whatsoever but i didn't know that we could do anything about it and it feels really cool to be watching byu students organize protests like byu is not Berkeley by any means we do not have protests sit-ins demonstrations of any kind right. they are uh, uh, very very frowned upon and you should see how Mormons frown they got big big huge frowns when they frown <laughs> uh, God frowns with them and uh, they're organizing uh, stuff like this the why with a question mark and they were going to make a, a human why up on the map or sorry a human question mark next to the why on the mountain and all these other things and i'm like so pumped for these byu students who are changing things like well you can still have an honor code you want to have an honor code that's great you should you have, should get back to what the honor code is supposed to be about though like it should number one be about honor it's not an honor code if everyone's snitching each other out right like it should be self-reported you, you do not need to police this this much you do not need uh fucking uh employ like student employees at the testing center having a bad day who are wielding their power with unrighteous dominion be like there was a guy who said that he wore a t-shirt with a skull on it and to like his final and he hadn't shaved that day and that ha i mean like you should have shaved uh, on for a final dude come on who are you who are you kidding dude but like i the fuck though but like you i i my facial hair doesn't grow that fast so i would always go a few days without shaving but like before i go into a testing center i would make sure i shaved right like i'm not shaving every day like they told me to but before i went to the testing center i would so he says he goes in with a, with a little bit of stubble he says not even a five o'clock shadow but there's some and a, a skull t-shirt and uh, they were like, you can't take your tests because you have to uh, shave. And he was like, I can't get home and shave and come back here in time to do this. 
And they were like, well, also your t-shirt is satanic. <laughs> and he's like, uh, and they're like, and also, skulls. also it looks like you're high. And he's like, my eyes are red because it's finals week. God damn pricks. But there's someone there who's just like high and like they're given the opportunity. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, there's like all these stories out of BYUI about girls getting turned away because their jeans are too tight. And like, they're just trying to take a test in jeans or some shit, you know, but there's, there's, like the honor code shouldn't be policed like that. There absolutely should not be the culture that gets instilled among freshmen that you're supposed to rat out your roommates. Like they tell you in devotionals, they tell you at orientation, they professors will tell you in class, you need to snitch. It's for their own spiritual well being. Snitch on them. And that's not a fucking honor code. It's so gross. It's, it's the not worst. It. It's the worst. All of it is the worst of people. Yeah. It's just self-righteous, finger-pointing, uh, exacerbated by sexual frustration. It's just fucking disgusting. I, um... Ended up down a Mormon meme rabbit hole because now, because I follow that page. So it's like, oh, you might like this. And I was like, oh, I wonder how many of these memes I'll understand. That's and very important. Jessa loves understanding memes. I love understanding memes. I love understanding new cultures based on, like, uh, we hung out with your brother the other day and he talked about wrestling, which I never would have thought I would find interesting, but the way he explained it, I was like, oh, I don't understand this culture, and then stayed up way too late the next night, like, uh, on researching uh, how they write it and everything else, because I only heard the debate, it's real, it's fake, and then to hear someone be like, yeah, it's fake, we know it's fake, we like the it's, creative process, and then I was theater. like, yeah, I was like, so I want to understand the writers, but I feel that way about more. Do you want to become a wrestling writer now? I was like, uh, we could get this gig easily. Yeah, yeah. I, um, but Mormonism is it's still. I feel like I still haven't gotten to uh, the center of it. Like every, like I just found out missionaries can't be in water yesterday. So like, <laughs> uh, we recorded this great episode with Bill Squire, uh, which you gotta look for. Uh, it's going to be so fun. We had very opposite missions, he and I, and he's like explaining all these bad things he did, and he's just like, yeah. So we rented just like a hotel room at a resort for the day. This is in the Philippines. He's like, and you know, just had a, I had a girlfriend. I'm like as a missionary, you had a girlfriend, <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And then we went to a resort, and I was like, instead of teaching and knocking on doors, you went to a resort, and he was like, yeah. And she and she gave me head all day, and I was like, what? And, he's like, <laughs> and I went down on her. Are you kidding me? And then we went swimming and I was like, Bill, no. <laughs> In the water. I, and Jess was like, what's what's happening? Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, when it turned there, he said, I we didn't have sex, but we did go swimming. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Equally grievous sins in the eyes of the Lord. So I, I feel like I've, I still haven't gotten to the center of the Mormon Tootsie Pop. It's still so interesting to me. But I did want to know how I did a Mormon and meth trivia on another podcast and got a bunch of the meth ones wrong, but it got all the Mormons went, or Mormon ones right, including the one he said I got wrong. Yeah. Do you remember what that one was? This is I a was place- very proud of her. Uh, I, she told me all the answers and, I, and she was like, I only got this one wrong. And I was like, no, you didn't. You got that right. But now I forget it. 
it was all Mormons have to go to this place uh, by whatever age. And I said, uh, the temple? Like, I, none of that. That didn't sound like anything mm-hmm. I'd ever heard. And he said, okay, but where? And I was like, I knew that there wasn't a place that you have to go. And so I was like, uh, Utah? And then he said, no. And it was Missouri, I think. I think he's no, talking he's- about that, that, uh, um, it's on. He's talking about Adam on Diamond, I think, uh, and uh, which is in like what? Jackson County, Missouri. The, the Pioneer Walk, maybe, is what he's. Uh, so in one of the, because you know I was obsessed with polygamous Mormon shows before. Mm-hmm. So in Big Love or something, is it Big Love or one of them? Uh, it might be My Five Wives. There's a. It's mandatory for the fundamentalist Mormons that they have to go do that Pioneer Walk where they have to just go uh, as a teenager go out by themselves and retrace the steps of somebody no, i think then you're just confused you're th- thinking of like a pioneer trek which is just like a three-day excursion just for fun that we do every few years so fun to, the the polygamous mormons have a mandatory as a teenager you have to go you out don't by know yourself. that that's what you've, you're basing that on big love big love is still I don't think uh, polygamous Mormons are like big on leaving the res. You know, they're like we're gonna keep them. Keep we don't let them go see. They're gonna take them to Missouri, and they're in yeah, their yeah. I'll homemade, have to look it up. But I think, I think that's where. So not fundamental. But let me but, I would just tell you, Adam on Diamond that Joseph said, uh, like when one they were in Missouri, he was like, by the way, this is the actual Garden of Eden. That where Adam and Eve were was right here in Missouri and it's called Adam on Diam and, and like uh, at the second coming everyone will go back there uh, uh, and like receive all these uh, keys and so I think that's uh, where that, where saying, that stems no. from but so yeah he said everyone had to visit Missouri and I was like weird uh, definitely never heard that so then when I that's told probably you, I the real there. reason we can't get any converts is like you're not going to get a lot of people that want to visit <laughs> Missouri <laughs> You know, like, you know, I make a pilgrimage to Mecca, sure, uh, but Missouri? Ew. So while I was getting my hair done for three hours, I looked at some memes, and I saw one meme that said, a lot of no-mos, oh, sorry, a lot of X-mos probably started out as Nick-mos. And I was like, what's a nick True. And so then uh, the meme was a, you know, it was a bad meme, bad stock photo, old stock photo. And so it didn't, it didn't give me any clues. And so I f- went and looked up the hashtag Nickmo and went through so many of them trying to figure out what the fuck does Nickmo mean? I figured out it had something to do with hooking up, you know, making out, whatever. And then I was like, oh, it's probably non-committal mormon and i would have figured out that it was make out but it but the context of the first one that i saw was exmo so then i just decided that that was mo but then like the more i thought about this and the more i read about like people making jokes about it i realized that what this is actually saying is that they have to specify that this making out is non-committal like that this the like us hooking up right now will not result in marriage. And that's so fucking funny to me. Well, I think it's just that they have to, it's more, I don't think that they have to specify the non uh, committal. 
as much as they have to specify that it's just making out. Because if you say hookup, like well, like the rest of the world says, like people, I think, well, like we understand at BYU, like you can just uh, you can hook up, but uh, it sounds too sexual, and you're like, we we didn't like the fact that you aren't in a committed relationship makes you seem so loose and so slutty uh, that everyone would just assume that you're fucking. And you're like, all I did was kiss this person and then not see them again. And uh, that is not oh the sa- that's not the same thing. So it's like uh, we just we just made out non-committal make out. I like the non-committal Mormons though that like for a few hours you believed in this lower caste of Mormons <laughs> that like were you were you were seeing all these derogatory memes about them. And you're like, yeah, they end up as they end up as Xmos. You can't you can't trust a Nickmo. And they're like, hey, don't say Nickmo. That's our word. You don't stop it. Uh, I thought that Nickmo was just a thing that happens after you uh, leave Mormonism and then like to research other spiritual beliefs, but never commit to another one. I just thought non-committal Mormon uh, was the name of that thing where once you guys leave Mormonism, you research and get super into other spiritual beliefs, but never commit to them. Do we? I don't. Th- I am I. I'm not like researching a bunch of other stuff. Like Danny Hunt. Danny Hunt's like super into a million different uh, things. Like we talked about yeah. on his episode, where I was like, uh, I like it. I I think that's a good way to approach spirituality, especially the kind of spirituality I'm into, I think getting married to it or becoming rigid with it is the, well, yeah, I don't, I, I don't espouse any beliefs anymore because I'm scared of it because I feel like I got tricked. And so now everything is suspect. It's just like after a bad breakup and that you're afraid to love again. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're afraid that you'll get broken up with again. That's all anything. And so, uh, I don't know if I will ever, ever love again another uh religion definitely not but a belief system i don't know it's just like i spent so much of my life knowing knowing and one of the hardest things about letting go and why it took me so long to quit was because i didn't want to not know i knew the truth about everything I know what happens when we die. I know where we came from before we were born. I know why everything happens. I know God's whole plan. I know how to progress after this life. Like I just know. And that feels good. And it was scary to me to think, okay, so if I say the Book of Mormon is not true, then I just don't know anyone. Like, is God real? I don't know. Is Jesus real? I don't know. What happens after we die? I don't know. And... So I clung to this fake ass religion for a long time. And when I finally let go, I found out there was so much peace in admitting I didn't know. I just didn't. I thought I was going to have to worry about it all day, every day. I thought I wouldn't be able to go to work or hold conversations or leave my house because I would just be so uh, caught up in what I didn't know. I'm like, well, you know, before I can make any decision today, I need to find out uh who if God is real and who he is and what he likes and uh so then like other or how else would I be able to decide which job to take unless I know what God 
is, right? Um, and it wasn't like that at all. It was actually just like, oh, life just goes on and is really way more chill when you just admit that you don't know. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm just going to do what makes me happy. And uh, it's it's just a lot. It's a lot, lot better. And uh, I'm, all, I'm still really interested in religion. I love hearing you talk about stuff uh, you believe in. I love talking to people in actual religions about I love getting into scriptures I love getting into doctrine but it's like more academic pursuit now it's more just like a fun thing to talk about and I think that's also again way better I don't get into theological debates with any passion anymore like no one's feelings are getting hurt when I when I talk about that I'm just like go huh Oh, yeah, okay. So I get how you believe that. This is what Mormons believed. Uh, I don't know what I believe, but blah, blah, blah. And like you just have this like nice, normal conversation and a free exchange of ideas. And it's great. It is great to just not know and to not have to know. I, um, I, we had like a, like someone commented after the, uh, the whatever comment on Reddit and that, uh, made me very uncomfortable because my beliefs are very, and this was, uh, we did a podcast recently with someone who says they talk to dead people and I'm into that stuff, but there was a way that she talked that was so off putting because it was like, this is this, and this is this, and you don't know this. And I know this. And I was like, I, I like, supernatural stuff i like paranormal stuff i like esoteric i like this kind of stuff but i like it from a like us just trying to describe our experience in the unseen world and i like everyone bringing to the table their version of it and I, I, the thing I don't like about religion is that this is the facts. This is the truth. This is, we all believe the exact same thing. And there's a leader telling us what it is. I don't like mm-hmm. any of that. I, the thing that I like about more uh, spiritual or supernatural stuff is that everyone is having a different experience or has a different description of it. But also I, I like put something down on the table and let people pick up what they want. I don't believe anything that is really confirmed by any other one person. You know, I can read an entire book of some spiritual practice or spiritual uh, belief and take one piece out of one chapter and be like, that part resonates with me. I'll add that to my belief system. And uh, my belief system is really just kind of based on how I see it. But I spend, I go through like, I just went through a couple weeks where none of it felt real. And there are a lot of times where I'm just like, sometimes it all feels the video game reality all feels very real and obvious to me. And those are the funnest times. That's when life is the most fun because I'm, I'm playing that game and there's all this confirmation and reality. And it's fun to think that we're going to a higher level of consciousness. A lot of things point to that. And I like that. I don't need anyone else to believe it. I don't you know, when I was a Christian, I needed everyone else to know that Christianity was true. Otherwise you were going to hell and it was all just my own insecurity in my own beliefs, you know? 
Um, but like for the last couple of weeks, I've just been like more grounded than usual and just like more open to the, uh, I think that there is something nice and seeing signs that, uh, all believers seek out, you know, I think that, um, I, when I was Mormon, I looked for signs and, um, now I, can I look back at the my friends and family who are still are Mormon and like see what they point to as signs and like clearly this uh we're being led by a prophet because this and I'm like that is not a sign but I used to think it was yeah when I was there I used to hold on to every little thing you'd be like oh wow such proof such proof but it's really just in the eye of the beholder. If you think that it's true, you'll see a sign for it if you want it. If you uh, don't think it's true, you can see how none of those things are actually signs at all. It's just, it's up to you, man. The Someone asked a question after that episode that you were just referring to. They were, they were like, Aaron, you're so good at being like taking down the Mormon church. It's weird that you don't do that more with like Jess's weird and crazy beliefs. And I was like, is it? It's why would I take down Jess's belief? I'm actually, I'm very respectful of everyone's beliefs. Like if we're talking about religion and you tell me what your religion believes in. And I don't think that that makes sense. I never, I don't like make fun of anyone or challenge anyone's religious beliefs Ever, I like respectfully listen to everyone and just like nod along, even if I think it's crazy. I'm like, mm, okay, like even that uh, that lady who talked to dead people, I did not like her at all, and I still was just polite. I was like, mm-hmm, okay, all right, sure, sure, hun. Uh, why don't you learn how to uh, hold a microphone the next time? <laughs> Maybe ask, ask ask one of those uh, dead people if they give you uh, yeah, pointers, but. Uh, I kept all those thoughts in my head. I didn't say them out loud. And so I would just never, uh, like, I don't see a need to challenge Jess's belief system. I like listening to anyone's belief system and seeing the little bits of truth that I do agree with and highlighting those. That's a much more interesting conversation to me. Jessa and I's first conversation, she started talking about, you know, big blue ball of light and uh and stuff and all i was doing was like lining up the parallels between that and mormonism because i'm like oh it's actually not that weird if you put it in like mormon vocab just as saying we're here to play a video game why to get experience i'm like oh that's straight out of the mormon book you know like we came to this world to get life experience to level up become more like god and like oh cool that's cool parallels we are there's a lot more in common here than you than you might have thought at first glance that's what i think is interesting about religious conversations so the only religion that i ever really speak ill of uh, is the mormon one because i have the most experience with it so i feel like i am qualified to speak on it and you're speaking about something that hurt you and that you like that hurts people i know that i see that i live in utah i see all this stuff all the time it's like i feel qualified to speak on that and if i get like i try to be respectful uh and uh and respectful of like mormon's beliefs but it's uh my bitterness is towards the institution so like i'm i uh I actually do criticize Jess or something. Well, not criticize, but like I push back. 
I'll push back on certain Thank things. Uh, but uh, then Jessica gets self-conscious and then just deletes that part out of the episode when she edits it. You know, She's just like, all right, well, this part did get a little weird. You're right. So I'll just cut that out. So you never get to hear that stuff. But like, I don't, I don't see much of a need to like uh, uh, buffer what what Jessa says because she's not organizing a religion. That's what I think is dangerous. That's what I think. I think when there's someone in power, there's someone in power that's like taking things from people and because they're teaching them like a belief system, that's what upsets me. And that's what upsets me about Mormons. It's not uh, like... I don't. I I love the plan of salvation and baptisms for the dead and uh, and whatever. But it's like how there's people at the top who are manipulating millions of followers at the bottom so that they can profit off of them. That's what sucks. And like Jess is not doing that. So she wants to talk about how reality is a video game and you can manifest things and whatever. Like I'm just gonna listen and go, huh? Okay. Like I don't. Uh, know if I can manifest anything, but I'll, uh, I'm willing to like, you know, I'll try it. I don't care. But, uh, when Jessa starts charging people, uh, money to learn her manifestation techniques and she starts, uh, you know, excommunicating the people that leave her bad Yelp reviews, uh, like <laughs> then that's when I would get mad at her. Like, I don't care, uh, that she's talking about cuckoo stuff. I think it's cool. I had a conversation with someone the other day who was like hardcore atheist, which uh, just doesn't resonate with me. But I'm also like, I might just have a strong need for childhood not to have ended. Because I know that once I got like past the age that my critical factor was developed and everyone started saying, you know, you find out Santa's not real and, and all this magic stuff isn't real. Uh, I describe myself as being disillusioned at that point. But to me, it just never, I was like, I don't think you guys are right. Like, this isn't it. This is ridiculous. I felt like I was awake in a, in, in a, dream that everyone else was asleep in and I didn't these are things I can describe now back then it just felt uncomfortable and I was very bored with life and so there is a huge possibility that I am just I need to believe in something which is a criticism that atheists have of people in religion is that you need to believe in something and I just and that's probably that can be true and I like I just go through huge phases where like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm looking for this. That's why I'm seeing it. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking for there to be magic. That's why I'm seeing magic. I'm looking for all these synchronicities. That's why I'm seeing these synchronicities because I'm tuned into number sequences. That's why I see them. Just like when I buy a new car, I see a million of that car on the road. It all just makes sense to me. I just can't figure out where the harm is. If you're not, forcing other people to believe the same thing as you if you're not using your religion to remove people's money from their pockets if you're not using it to oppress anybody else i don't even have a problem with religion itself it's don't try to make the laws of our country based on your stupid fucking religion keep your religion to yourself keep that relationship yeah the need to make everyone follow what you believe is wild to me 
that I don't I don't like that at all. Even when I believed in it, I didn't like the church trying to influence Proposition Eight. That was uh, bad. I was like, uh, you know, the, the whole thing was like, well, God cares. God cares if gay people get married. That's bad. That Sodom, Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. They got destroyed. We'll be destroyed. Our whole country will be destroyed if we don't stop this. And I was like, no, no, no. We're we have a history of persecution in our own religion. You know, like when we were a minority without any land or money, uh, most of America did not like us and uh, tried to kill us, push us off. You know, whatever. And that was wrong, right? That was wrong when they did that. And now we are now we have power because we have money to spend on elections and stuff. And we're so the exact we're, same thing. Yeah, we're just going to do the same. They were going to do the same thing. Yeah, but there's a difference because those because the now, people we're persecuting are wrong. Yeah, and we were being persecuted for our truth, and we can't see that that's the exact same fucking yeah. thing. about atheists about like that aren't don't atheists believe in something though they believe in nothing like they know like they know there's no god right like aren't agnostics the ones who really don't believe because they're just like yeah, i don't know they just kind of aren't agnostics the ones that are just shrugging their shoulders and like i have no idea like atheists are certain that there is no god and that there is they have like a belief in nothing my description of atheism, and I don't know uh, a ton about it, they're agnostics for me are people that are like, I don't think there's anything, but I'm not really sure I'm open to whatever. And uh, I feel like atheists are often smug. They're smug in the same way that religious people were smug 10 years ago. There's some chill atheists, but uh, uh, the more vocal ones, like the more vocal of everything, are often uh hella smug and uh i think like it makes sense we got fucked over by religion and i definitely if i have to choose between uh religion uh as spirituality and atheism i lean more towards atheism but uh and it's also like a big part of the science pushback against the the religious nuts but i just see it as if you need I think what if there is wiring under... So like life that we live is on top of a circuit board. Mm -hmm. And if you need everything to be quantified on top of the circuit board, then you're never going to get to, to experience what's happening under the circuit board, which is a uh, Terrence McKenna line from a... A trance song that I heard in like 99 talked about the wiring under the board and I just thought that that was such a good description of things you tap into on psychedelics or DMT or near-death experiences or for some people meditation is just there's something else if there is something else uh you won't be able to prove it in the physical realm if it is the thing that's happening that is creating the physical realm. And so I'm fascinated with that. I'm fascinated with trying to figure that out. I don't think I'll ever find a conclusion. I think if you ask me what I think that is and to explain that now versus what I would have told you five years ago, it's completely different because now I feel like timelines 
which is something that people talk about alternate realities and string theories to me five years ago, I was, I, my brain couldn't process that because I had never felt that. And all of this is just based on my own experience because I don't know what else to base anything on. And I think if your all of your life experience has pointed towards there's nothing, I'm not going to try to convince you that there's something because for you, that's the, that's what's real. You know, I can't be like, no, but I saw a big blue ball of light because I also, the big blue ball of light could have been DMT being released into my body when I died. And the DMT is just a chemical and it's all an illusion. I feel pretty open to that, but it just is a, a, a bummer of an answer to me. I feel I felt like in, in my early adulthood when everyone else is like, now it's time for us to get serious. We get married, we get jobs, and then we eke out our existence. And I was just like, what if we could just play forever, though? Like, what if we could just, life could just be fun. Life could just be interesting. What if we never had to leave? Childhood? Childhood. Uh -huh. what, what if you could make adulthood feel like childhood? You know, I am. I think you're, I think you're uh, getting this is very insightful yeah. for yourself. I, I like it. Um, that was what was attractive to me about drugs and leaving society. When I talk about how necessary it was for me to leave society, because we just rewrote all the rules. Time didn't exist. All of these, these stringent rules in our society didn't exist in the criminal underground of the meth world. Like it was a community that built its own economy that uh, was not legal, but time, I'm, just the fact that you could show up at people's house at any time that you want, you could call them any time that you want, if you wanted to stay up all night and sleep all day, or uh, all of these things like outside of these rules that people have created, really gave me this perspective that I can do whatever the fuck I want in this world. I can make my own rules and live my own life. And it doesn't have to be, uh, what if I see making money as a game. What if I see my responsibilities as a game I get to play? What harm is that? It's way the fuck more fun. People are playing video games where they're just doing mundane things. Sims is a video game that people are playing where they're doing mundane, normal things. And seeing life as that is just more fun. So I do believe most days that it is this that it is actually a game and that we are going to get to play a cooler game soon and I when I look around I see all this proof of that but then there is a part of me that is like uh, I could be looking for that proof and I could be wrong but I just when I follow that train of thought I, I can't find the point where it's gonna matter because if I die at the end and I die and it's over and consciousness ceases to exist, which doesn't make any sense to me, but that's because of my own anecdotal life experience. If I get to the end and I cease to exist, will it have mattered that I lived however many years believing that it was a video game? It doesn't. It mm. doesn't hurt anything. If I had to believe that I like making money and uh, trying to keep my body alive and like all these things was all there was to life that's so fucking depressing to me that's so depressing to me that 
I wouldn't want to be alive. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. It's like so much more fun to believe in magic and believe in more for me. So I guess I do have that need. I do. And I don't think that there's a problem with I, that because I don't need anyone else to believe it with me. For me, it was, I thought that I, I agreed, I would agree with you for most of my life uh, because I needed to believe. I liked the knowing. I liked, uh, seeing signs i liked seeing god's hand in my life you know when uh i would get a, a feeling that i like that i needed to do something you know uh and i'd be like this is the spirit telling me i should do it god's got a plan i need to have faith and i i liked all that stuff it is magical uh but i like my life a lot more now without it i like it that's just just I feel more in control, more independent. I think that there is a loss of some magic, but I've gained a lot more peace, and I like that. I've been thinking a lot about my mission, especially since we talked to Bill Squire and had a completely uh, different thing. But uh, the, the Mormon Church just dedicated a temple in Rome that has been like 10 years in the making. I was in Italy when they announced at General Conference that they are going to build a temple in Rome. And there were gasps in the conference center. Like, <gasps> in Rome, the heart of Catholicism. And it was such a sign. It was such a sign. It was evidence that God's word is going forth. Like if we yeah. could, if we can infiltrate the Roman stronghold of the Catholic Church with our own temple, you know, right there next to next to Saint Peter's, uh, then wow, the work really is going forth. People really are being converted, and all this stuff. And uh, it's so surreal to see it finally get dedicated and not feel that way at all and be like uh first of all it's it's not really in rome it's like outside of rome next to an ikea like there's no <laughs> the optics are not what you think they are you're not like wow we're in the vatican oh my goodness but uh it's just just another piece of property that uh, people can buy. Like anyone can buy yeah, property. Yeah, I was going to say the, the church is a bajillionaire. Right. Like it's, it's, uh, there are laws, of course, and it is, it uh, clearly uh, was not easy. It took them 11 years to, uh, from the announcement to the dedication. So they had a lot of legal things to go through, which then uh, also casts a lot of doubt on how uh, great God is, uh, like how, how far is the work really going forward? Well, it was so 11 now, years. So he had uh, he probably changed his mind three times. A couple of times he was like, "I don't like these drapes. Uh, can we start over again? I don't like this at all. Uh, we gotta we gotta rip all the carpet out, put new one new stuff in." But uh, the church definitely used it as like a PR opportunity to really try to flex. But it was like a very weird flex, but okay, uh, just. There's, there's, the church doesn't have any like crowning achievements to hang its hat on uh, anymore. Like in the Hinkley days, we were building temples like that. Like everywhere we were popping up temples and it's like, wow, the work really is going forth. And you got to keep in mind, like 
Mormons have been waiting for the second coming since Joseph Smith. Like right. people in Joseph Smith's time thought they would be alive to see the second coming. And then that, you know, didn't happen. So then they say like in retrospect or whatever, like there's some verse in Doctrine and Covenants, I forget where, that says had Joseph Smith lit. I don't even think it says this. I think it's like an interpretation or something. Maybe it was something Joseph Smith wrote and then turned out to be wrong. <laughs> and we we're all just, but it's like if Joseph Smith hadn't been martyred, uh, he, the second coming would have happened already because he, he, he was so righteous or something. I don't know. But there was something about the second coming in Christianity that always bugged me where it was like, uh, not that no one knows the time or the hour, but there would be conversations where like, could anyone guess it? And it's like, no, if anyone guesses this date, it couldn't be. Dude, it. And I it's had, like fucking, I, uh, every had, generation thinks it's them. Then. You imagine God, like God, Jesus is up there trying to come back. But every time someone throws <laughs> out a date, he's like, fuck. <laughs> Like, you know, when those people buy billboards and they're like, it's happening. It's yeah. be, be careful. April 14th this year, that's the end of the world. And Jesus is like, fuck. And like, it's like, imagine like there's a bunch of people getting ready in heaven. And they're like, all right, shut it down. <laughs> they figured it out. Uh, they know, they don't know the hour, but uh, they do know the day. And I feel like that's, that's close enough. Let's pick a new date. They're like, go back to the calendar and find oh, a new fuck. one. Uh they would like Mormons are always feeling like they're looking for some sort of sign, right? There people get patriarchal blessings that say that they're going to live to see the second coming. And you're always just acting like it's around the corner. I remember growing up and being told like, you know, what a great generation we were, how we were going to usher in the second coming. Cause we were like the great new young generation. And this is before I found out, they just told this to every generation yeah but uh, uh back in the day they told us that like when we got to heaven people would be hella impressed with us they would be like whoa you lived in the time of gordon b hinckley and a, and a hush a hush would fall would echo throughout the the halls of heaven okay everyone would turn and be like oh my god and they would all kneel to me <laughs> to me they would all kneel and uh and uh and uh i remember my friend james being like uh yeah that sounds like heaven yeah everyone worships me yeah that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly right we're like what happened like there's also a lot of us <laughs> in this generation and some of us and this is like well i got here first so now <laughs> i'm i'm king of heaven so everyone's already kneeling to me so why don't you just uh bow on down <laughs> get with the program anyway there's always something that we're looking for and like in the Gordon B. Hinckley days, it was like, look how many temples we have. They've slowed down on that. And now it's like, look how, how many malls we have. And that's <laughs> less cool. And uh, now I guess Jesus hasn't come back because we let the homosexuals get married. Probably that's on us. But the church really was like trying, it seemed like trying to hang its hat on this Roman temple thing. Like they made a big show of this dedication to be mm -hmm. like, look at us. We have a temple in Italy, I guess you could say we're still a few decades behind the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, <laughs> hooray for us! Do they already have one there? Yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses are huge in Italy. They're big. They got they got Salad de Reños all over the place. But like 
the whole first presidency and the whole quorum of the 12 apostles went to Rome and they just like made this whole big press junket. And this is the stuff about religion that I can't stand. I can't stand, I can't help but be cynical about all these photo ops that they're putting together. And like Sherry Dew doing some fucking video about how, what a great learning moment we had from President Nelson. President Nelson, the, the photographer, there's a big, big photo shoot, big, big photo shoot. And, and, uh, the photographer said, now, do you want do a photo by yourself? Just the first presidency or, or the whole quorum of the 12, what are we going to do? And without a moment's hesitation, Jessa, this humble servant of God, President Nelson said, everyone will take a photo with everyone and it was an amazing fake humility amazing amazing opportunity to learn from from him again like that's just that's just basic go to any fucking wedding that's how you take (laughs) you start you start with everyone any photographer will be like we're just gonna put everyone's here so we start with everyone and then you do groups and you're like now we'll do the bride's family now and that's what they did like there's still also a photo of just the presidency there's still also a fucking photo of just president nelson holding the key so there's these statues there's these statues that like again you're gonna love this as mormons not doing anything original ever there's (laughs) there are there are real statues of the 12 apostles and uh in like denmark or something and once upon a time president kimball the prophet back then uh looked at these things and and like peter's holding the keys like the keys of the priesthood and president kimball tells the janitor of this uh thing <laughs> he's just like you know the uh, i've got those keys and like we re- we like oh, i've like studied God. i've studied this story and it's like such a heartwarming story where it's just like the way jesus would speak to the lowest among them it's just like a a, a lowly custodian <laughs> who who loves these statues he loves them he takes care of them. they're they're gorgeous they're gorgeous statues they're huge and stuff and they're they're beautiful and they're all the original 12 apostles and like he has this like heart to heart like the prophet a prophet like god's own mouthpiece is just taking time out of his day to just like talk to this dude the the lowest among us and he's just like explaining the restoration of the priesthood and how the keys were lost and how they were restored through joseph smith and i liked that story and now i'm like this fucking guy didn't ask for this lesson from an american like like he's he's probably just nodding along like i just i need you guys to leave so i can close up i have there's a football match on. I would like to go home to my children. Please. Can you please stop humble bragging about about how the your how, Oh, I've got those keys. Blah, blah, blah. So for, for the visitor center in Rome, uh the the church's big idea is let's recreate those statues yeah of course so they hired like sculptors to just recreate just do copies of those exact statues uh so again like uh way to think outside the box (laughs) (laughs) just like uh we really funny we had uh, a very sensitive freemason at our show last night who was very very offended about uh not getting credit for temple symbols or something it was weird but uh Anyway, President Nelson, the guy who who only wanted pictures with everyone, uh, he did take a picture 
uh, next to the statue of Peter and Peter's holding the keys and President Nelson's got his hand on the keys as oh, well. God. And he's just smiling like this photo op with a marble uh, carbon copy. And he's just like, ha, ha, ha. and that photo is being shared around like it's such a powerful image. And you're like, it's 100 <laughs> percent created. That is that is more fake than like uh, that's more fake than anything that's happened during an NBA timeout. And you guys are just like, wow, wow, so powerful. That's the stuff that gets me mad. That's the stuff that I rail against because it's bullshit. It's it's optics. It's PR. It's publicity. And it's just about getting like that. It, ugh, that's what that's what makes me mad. That's what makes me mad. I didn't. I didn't go on a mission for that. That's not it. Uh, I know this is this is going long, Jess. But I, uh, can I still can I tell mission stories? Just like yeah. one. I want to just about uh, going to Italy or like coming home from Italy. You just wanted to be done. Should we no, done? You're good. Okay. I'll never there forget flying to Italy. We did uh, get lost uh, on the way to Italy. We had we had to like take so, so many flights. We flew from Salt Lake to Chicago to Boston. In Boston, we had we had to, like to get on our plane. We had to like leave the fucking airport. At one point, we were all outside and just like in panic. Just like imagine all these like children in suits and dresses, just frantically running and trying to get like trying to figure out. Except for Austin, who's just like, you know, man, if we miss this flight, we could probably go to Fenway, catch a game. And I'm like, <laughs> Austin, not now. Every Austin you know is so cool. They are. I think something about that name makes them cooler. Name your sons Austin. They'll be, they'll be super chill. But we like, uh, I remember we were very late in Boston trying to, we like had to go back through security. I remember everyone's uh get like having problems at security and like getting pulled aside i remember this uh this like boston's like tsa agent kept shouting hey whose bag is this <laughs> oh whose bag is this she's got a pair of scissors in there as big as my arm whose bag is this like just shouting like and like when you would so, like i remember seeing this one guy get taken aside and like had to go to like get like a personal pat down uh check from tsa like they were like he, he was like taking off his belt and his shoes and stuff this was before you had to do that and like he was like getting like wanded and stuff and we just left him because we were so w worried about missing our plane oh we God. were like sprinting through the airport i remember a dude going oh shit it's the fbi as we came <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> you just see these white children in black suits just running full speed and we're like they're like well the group from salt lake please come to the gate with it we're waiting on you and we just sprinted as fast as we could to get on this to the plane to boston and uh i remember that guy anciano hoffman he uh that we left behind um and people being like, what about him? And I'm like, what about him? <laughs> it's every man for himself. There is no travel leader. It's anarchy. Don't worry about him. We got to get on this plane. And we got on the plane. And Hoffman was already on the plane. What the this fuck? Is, this is a huge, this is a huge jet. So like he, I, like I'm coming down the front of the plane. Like everyone else came through the, the, the thing from the front of the plane. And, uh, 
he was walking up from the back uh, completely drenched in sweat. His belt was just like not through his belt loops, but just like tied around like the, his waist. And, and he was somehow on the plane and I never got to speak to him again. I have no idea how he got on and I don't want to know. I love that, uh, that that's a mystery to me. It's fantastic. So then we uh, do this like, you know, overnight flight uh, from Boston to London and I don't sleep uh, and I'm just awake the whole time. I'm just excited. I think I talked to somebody next to me about the church because they're asking questions and it feels so good to be like a missionary finally yeah. out in the field and we're teaching and stuff. And uh, we get to London and then we miss the connecting flight to Milan uh, because someone, the sister left her passport on the plane. We had to go back for it. Except Austin. Austin did not wait for us. <laughs> he just was like, all right, bye. And like he got on the plane and went to Italy. Oh, shit. And then we had, uh, we were just like lost in London and had no way. We, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to get on another plane. Uh, and we didn't know how to call. I can't uh, believe an adult doesn't go with the fucking missionaries. That's insane to me. It is a that little. There's not just a person that flies, you guys. Nope, just you. It's a fun adventure, though. So we're like trying to learn how to use a, a British payphone. Like, it's fucking difficult. You don't have cell phones or anything. We don't have nothing, man. We're trying to like. I can't oh, fucking believe. Had you ever even flown alone? Most people buy. Yeah, I, I had I had flown. I think. Alone? Yes, I had. I had. Okay. I had definitely flown back to Maryland to visit friends right before my mission, you know? Uh it's just I do think that we are a, that we're that we're adults. It's just it's weird in the way that like the church still treats us like children. I remember being like this is one of the things that I hated about the honor code and about BYU was like I'm not a child. I hated how college professors treated us like children, um, but I hated more how the students demanded to be treated as children. I couldn't stand it. Like kids complaining about sh like shit that, like I wanted to be treated like an adult. I hated professors that were like, oh, you haven't been coming to class. And I was like, I'm aware of my own whereabouts at all times. <laughs> like you're telling me I'm not coming to class and like, well, you have to come. And I was like, I don't, I'm actually in charge of my own schedule and I can show up when I feel like it. And I think what you are mad about is that I'm still acing your tests without listening to your dumbass lectures. So I don't know, make your tests harder or uh, don't be mad at me because I'm smart enough to miss class. Like I, I hated being talked to like a child, but there were other students that would demand like there would uh, be something in the syllabus and the professor wouldn't say it out loud in class. And then he would like grade people on it or something or say like there would be something that was due or some sort of rule. And then everyone would be like, oh, well, you didn't say that in class. No, that society and, and at he, large needs to be told every fucking thing. And to me, it's just like uh, we lose autonomy. The fact that you need your fucking handheld through everything costs those of us who can self-regulate costs us autonomy. Yeah. The fact that you need rules to guide you every fucking step of your life makes me feel uh, like my freedom is being infringed upon because I would rather just 
take care of myself right. and not need a fucking law for every goddamn thing. Yeah, that society at large uh-huh. wants to be treated like a fucking child. Yeah, I I I don't need- I feel like most of them, though, weren't thinking about that. Like, they don't really want their hand held. They're so scared of getting a zero on one assignment or, like, turning in late, like, facing any sort of repercussion on their grade that they just, like, pretended to be a baby. And I was like, you're not thinking about the consequences of the effect. Like, it's just like uh, a professor would make an announcement in class. And they're like, well, I wasn't here, so I didn't hear that. And I think... That's the risk I take by not coming to class. Yeah. I know that I'm going to miss something and like I just accept that risk. And so but then the professor gets so many people whining about it. He doesn't want his his uh, ratings at the end of the semester to go down. So now he has to he's sending out emails to everyone. But then like people are like, well, you sent out an email, but you didn't announce it in class. And I'm like, what the fuck, fuck is wrong with you? Oh my God. And it's then, then uh, BYU students would then like get mad that we were treated like children. And I'm like, well, we're going to have to, if we want to be treated like adults, we're going to have to act like adults Adults. all the time. Uh, But it is so strange how like, we'll tell your parents and you're like, I've already traveled to other countries by myself with that. And like, no one needed to supervise me. Like I lived for two years serving the Lord, which like, this is his institution. I don't know. You know, like when you're like, when you're like, I'll, if you've, if you've got a relationship with a higher up, you're like, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Lord, uh, <laughs> but I am one of his chosen servants. We go way back and he gave me entire areas of his kingdom to look after. He gave me all of like Northern Italy to take care of. And I was in charge of it and had no supervision whatsoever. And now I'm here at his school and I'm being micromanaged by you snitch fucks that are just like, <laughs> you can't you, 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 go away. Like it just, it didn't, uh, it didn't make any sense how they want. They, they talk to you about how you're like an adult, you're a man now. And then you come back to university and you are such a baby you're just you're you we will tell your parents we'll tattle on you and we'll we'll just like condescend to you constantly you guys aren't you can't be entrusted with this or that or that you can't regulate your own facial hair for crying out loud yeah and it's just like it's it's weird it's a weird mixed message uh uh before we go uh Jessa is getting into Game of Thrones. She's starting. She's starting. I've shown her a good number of clips, right? Yeah. Done. A, she's watched a Samuel L. Jackson recap. I watched the Samuel L. Jackson recap. Then I got the uh, Aaron J. Woodall recap in a car <laughs> one day. <laughs> the middle initial. <laughs> um, which your recap was really good. Like your recap, I, I finally felt like I understood the connection between all the characters. And now when I see pictures of them, I'm like, okay, that's Cersei. That's uh, the bitch with the dragons. Um, that Daenerys. The, the clip that we watched this morning, that is like Cersei... Uh, Cersei blowing up the honor code office like she like the when she is like pouring wine on that on that woman's face you know just that she didn't get to see who that woman was that woman was an honor code office snitch yeah and she's getting uh her revenge 
I am so fucking pumped for the final season of Game of Thrones. And uh, are you are you excited at all? I am. I bought a projector so that we could watch it um, on the road. On our on our hotel ceilings. On our hotel ceilings. Uh, as we're going to, the next thing that we're about to record is a Game of Thrones preview for our uh, patrons. And uh, throughout the season, we are going to be doing episode recaps as well, which I think are going to be super fun and super funny. Uh, I'm very excited to like do this preview with Jessa and be like, Jessa, who do you think will sit on the Iron Throne? And uh, uh, who do you think Azor High will be? And uh, where do you, and, and like see, Je- Jessa has no idea who any of these things are yeah. called or what they are. But uh, I do think the White Walkers will win. You think they're going to win? I would love uh, that ending. I would love it. Well, if the entire underlying story is that people are bickering amongst themselves while the real enemy is coming, uh, uh, someone who isn't a Game of Thrones writer would have them all somehow band together and uh, and win in the end. But like that isn't how the whole show has gone. So either everyone dies or the enemy wins. Other than that's predictable now because... Jesus has been worried about global warming this whole time. Uh, he has been trying to warn us. <laughs> uh, winter is coming, but uh, I don't know. I think I think that the the White Walkers won't win, uh, but I think uh, we'll see certain people die, and like it'll still there should still be a shocker about who gets the throne at the end. I hope, I hope, I hope. There's so much riding on this last season. I hope it doesn't let us down. But we'll get all we'll fully get into that on the Patreon uh, preview for Game of Thrones. And uh, I don't. Is there anything else we got to plug before we get out of here? Twenty seventh of April, we are going to be in Cedar City. Those tickets are finally up on the website. Finally, the venue Sorry about is that. off the cuff. Off the cuff comedy theater, and we will be doing stand up together on that. Uh, things we're working on in May are we got Portland on May 16th. We have Seattle, Tacoma, and Olympia are all in the works in May as well. So keep an eye out for those on the website. And we'll catch you guys next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessarita Fence, listen to them talking to Mike.